You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you today for another spoiler-free review of a movie. That is right, a solo one. I am by myself. It's the first time I've been by myself in quite some time in terms of actually having a solo review, but um, looking forward to bringing you our very first Australian film too here on the Oz Network. It's um interesting to think that we've been here now for nearly a year in the uh, Oz Network uh, outfit and we are yet to review an Australian film. We've done plenty with Australian actors in it, we've done TV shows with Australian actors in it, but yet to cover one of our very own. So we're here today to look at the new Australian movie. It's called Swing Safari. Uh, and this this is a fun movie. This is uh, done by Stephen Elliott, of course, uh, the man behind uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And um, this is this is definitely a very fun movie. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure if this is getting an international release. Uh, so for people listening outside of Australia, this might be a movie that you might have to wait until it's eventually released on uh, DVD or online or something like that to watch because um completely unaware if this will be being released uh, outside of Australia. But um, I guess a bit of history in terms of why we're deciding to cover this or why I've gone to the, the theatres to see this one is uh, for those who listen to our show frequently would know that we cover, of course, Nip Tuck. And one of the two main stars uh, of Nip Tuck, of course, is Julian McMahon. And uh, I'm a big fan of Julian McMahon. Nick, our co-host on the Oz Network, is um, also a big Julian McMahon fan. And uh, not one that I've really seen that much outside of Nip Tuck. So that, to me, sold it alone. But uh, I'm going to be completely honest here and say that I'm a huge Kylie Minogue fan. Hello, yes. And um, she, too, is in this movie, uh, as is Guy Pearce. Um, so, you know, a couple of big name Australians in this movie. And, uh, outside of, uh, Guy Pearce, of course, you've got, uh, Asha Keddie. A lot of local listeners would know of Asha. Uh, Jeremy Sims, Jack Thompson is in this. And a really strong lineup of, uh, younger children actors too, which I'll get to, of course, um, throughout this. But, uh, that's kind of what drew me to, uh, wanting to see this. And, Completely, completely open and honest here, and uh, I apologise to any of our Australian film buffs or anyone listening from the Australian film industry listening to this, but uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Australian cinema. Um, I, I'm kind of the cliché Australian who likes the castle, um, you know, and outside of that, that's about it. I mean, Crocodile and Dundee, of course... Every Australian is kind of born and bred with that movie. Um, and, you know, there's a few other ones here and there. I'm a fan of the incredibly terrible Boy Town, uh, which I think a lot of people probably forget was even a movie about, uh, what, 12 years ago now. But um, never really been one to rush out and support our local film industry, which I feel very ashamed to admit that on air. But um, this is the first time I would have gone to the cinema to see an Australian movie in quite some time, probably since the Kath and Kim movie, if I'm absolutely, completely honest with you. Um, but this, if you're unfamiliar with this movie, uh, and also for our um, international listeners who have never heard of this movie, uh, basically it is um, almost a, a parody film of cert, of cert sorts. I learned how to speak properly. Um, kind of parodying Australian culture in the 1970s. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's quite an interesting film. And if you... I would thoroughly recommend looking up the trailer for those who have not heard of this film. Because basically, you see the trailer, it's, it's hilarious. The trailer alone is funny. 
And um, basically, you're thinking, oh, yeah, they've just used all the good bits in the trailer and, uh, you know, it's going to be a different film. But pretty much the trailer sells the movie and then you've got about another thousand bits of uh, warped comedy. Um, and I'm a little bit too young to have ever lived in the 70s. But uh, through what I know and kind of at least through some of the references in this film... Um, you do real get a get a real sense of Australia, um, kind of a, what it would have been at this period. Um, and the theatre that I actually went and saw this in, it's kind of like a, you know, the boutique cinema in Hobart. It's not the the big chain cinema, uh, the state cinema for those who are from Hobart. And um, you know, they're known for showing kind of like their boutique arty films. Um, but the I saw a what a two o'clock session during the afternoon and thinking I'd be the only one there, but there was actually you know maybe like six seven other people in the theater, all of whom were probably in their forties or fifties. So you know you've got to assume that this was their period growing up. Uh, so I'm assuming that a lot of nostalgia is uh, coming through this film for people of that age, and I could see it like it's just it's beautifully shot. It's you really do feel like you're in the seventies. So many sort of throwback references to the period uh, through, you know, TV commercials that you'll see, you know, sort of political uh, jingles, um, you know, just the style, the colour, everything. Like, I mean, it's so beautifully shot, you just feel like it's in the 70s. And I actually read an interview uh, with Julian McMahon, who basically grew up in a very similar area to uh, where this film was shot. And he said, like, yeah, this is pretty much like it was back in the 70s. So, um Definitely a great job by Stephen Elliott to to really make this. And we obviously know Stephen Elliott with Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. You know, a great iconic Australian film. You know, obviously went on to big things overseas. And, you know, how beautifully done that was, uh, the look and feel of that movie. So, you know, you know he's going to come into this uh, with, you know, no expense spared. And uh, it definitely shows. Um, now, the plot of this film is, I mean, it's kind of interesting to think there isn't really a plot. Um to some extent, but at the same time, it, it, there is. I mean, it basically it revolves around uh, three families living in a street. Um, it's not specifically said whereabouts in Australia this is. Um, it's in a fictional town, uh, Wallaroo, I believe. Um, uh, it's a beach suburb called Nobby's Beach, uh, just to confirm that. But, um, you know, this is somewhere in New South Wales or Queensland, clearly. Um, and it's basically 1975, uh, you've got three families and kind of, it's about just the, the parents and the kids and just kind of the lifestyles they lead. So you've got your, um, three, uh, the parents of the, of the children. So you have the Halls, uh, you have Keith Hall and Kay Hall, uh, that's Guy Pearce and Kylie Minogue characters. You have the Joneses, so you have, uh, Rada Mitchell and Julian McMahon. And then you have the Marshes, so you have Asher Keddie and Jeremy Sims. And it's kind of, you know told through the eyes of uh the son of of Asher Keddie and Jeremy Sims um child uh whose name of course is Jeff Marsh there we go not the cricketer uh played by Atticus Rob and not familiar with Atticus Rob I never seen him in anything before uh but he was fantastic I mean himself um and all the children in this movie really uh Melly the other one uh Darcy Wilson plays her just so good like it's kind of the backbone is kind of told through these two children because uh, basically um it sort of starts off with uh jeff marsh he's he's gotten himself a camera and he's kind of explaining that this is me filming exploits of what happened in the 70s you know it's, it's, it has to be seen to be believed of what we got up to and it's kind of sort of backboned by his character his relationship friendship with uh melly who is the 
daughter of uh, Julie McMahon and Ryder Mitchell's characters. And it's it's beautifully sort of told between these two because all the craziness and outlandishness that's happening around them, these two are very grounded characters and sort of, you know, wanting to escape um, this sort of town and all the lifestyle that happens around it. And this whale uh, is beached uh, on a nearby beach and that's kind of uh, sort of serves for this other sort of backbone of this story. Um, and it's really just the exploits that happen around it. So it's kind of obviously with the title, Swinging Safari, it's kind of sold around a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, swinging exploits of the parents. And that obviously plays sort of a, a huge portion into their storyline. But it, it's really just kind of, as I keep saying, a parody of Australian culture in the 70s. So that's basically all you need to know about the story. And in general, this is a spoiler-free review, but, you know, with a few things here and there, there's really nothing to spoil in this film. Um, and it's just, you know, so many references, as I was saying, sort of people of a certain age would get, you know, just the, like, products and things like that. And then it's just, it's a real kind of, I guess, throwback and, uh, almost I feel like a, um, a, a protest, I don't say protest, but like a, a movie that's kind of shoving its thumb up at society in terms of how, you know, politically correct and safe we are today because you just have so much of, uh, you know, showing things like the, the the clothing that the kids wore that just basically would catch fire if you got it, you know, a little bit too hot, uh, you know, offering their kids smokes and drinks and just not thinking anything of it, you know, letting your kids go into the backyard and essentially film stunts which involve them setting themselves on fire and barely even blinking an eyelid, um, you know, and kind of... Things like that that just not would not have been heard of, of, at any point um, throughout this entire you know today in today's society. So it's just such an interesting throwback to kind of feel that you you're, you I don't want to say cringe, but like there's so many moments in this film you're like oh god like don't let them do that because I guess that's the society we live in. We're just now used to uh, you know bubble wrapping our children and being so PC with all this sort of stuff. Whereas this movie kind of basically gives a middle finger to that and goes hey this is what it used to be like. Um, but having said that, it's not uncomfortable. It, it's entirely, you know, believable and you obviously assume, well, that's how it used to be. Um, so it's so well done. And, and it's kind of, you really do separate this into the, the adults and the children actors. And as much as the star power this has, you know, with Guy Pearce, Kylie Minogue, Julian McMahon, you know, on side there, um, it's, it's really, again, I feel it's mainly about the kids. And to me, the stars of this film definitely are Darcy Wilson and Atticus Rob. These two steal the show. Like in such a crazy movie, these two are just so grounded. Just their acting is so good. And anybody's listened to any of our other shows here on the Oz Network and you'll often hear me talk about how I can't stand children actors if they, they're terrible. There's not one actor in this entire film of under the age of 18 who at any point annoyed me. They're just such good actors. Every single child in this film is a brilliant actor. And just, yeah, Darcy Wilson, Addison Rob, these two have got big, big things ahead of them. Um, just so, so good. Um, they just, they handle it. It's just so natural. These two have great chemistry. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you how old they are in real life. They're portraying two 14 year olds. Um, but yeah, like they just beyond their years in terms of the acting ability. Um, I'm looking here at, uh, Darcy Wilson here, according to what I'm seeing, at least on Wikipedia, says she's 16. Um, but then also according to this, she really has not that much, uh, in terms of acting experience, uh, bits here on, um, Home and Away, it seems, House of Hancock. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
big, big future for her moving forward. Um, and yeah, same with, uh, Atticus, uh, Rob, just so good. And really, I mean, it's, it's, as I said, the star power in this film is big enough, but these two really, really do a great job. And I mean, outside of those, uh, the other sort of children actors in this film, um, uh, Chelsea Glaw, who plays Beck Marsh, who I guess if you've seen the trailers, she's kind of the teenage girl who obviously is, uh, I guess a little bit promiscuous. You know, there's a scene there where she's kind of on her knees in front of a boy and she's caught in the trailer. And that's kind of the, the crux of her character. Uh, but, you know, again, does it in such a manner that, you know, it's just, it's just funny. It's just really, really funny and well done. All the kind of the teenage boy actors who, you know, there's so many of them just, again, do it so well. And it really did give me great memories of Puberty Blues. If, has anyone seen the, the film version or the television adaptation of Puberty Blues, uh, would kind of know of that vibe. It's got a real vibe about that to it. Um, but I guess a lot more comedic, uh, whereas Puberty Blues, I guess, you know, it, it faced real issues and kind of, you know, tried to bring that to light. This has the issues in it, um, but it just kind of gels over it a lot in it, just a comedic way. Um, and yeah, I mean, as I said, all the children actors, I, I really wish I could name them all, but I mean, you kind of don't get to learn a lot of their names, but every single one of them is fantastic in this film. There's not one single actor in this film under the age of 18 that just did not do a great job. So, uh, definitely props to, to all of them. Um, and, you know, our main six, our sort of six key ones. Um, it's, it's fascinating just kind of going into this, knowing what you know of these actors. I mean, Guy Pearce is, you know, obviously one who kind of gone on to big things in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, I recently saw him in Iron Man 3. And, you know, he's been in so many things, of course, esteemed actor Guy Pearce. Um, but, I mean, this is just kind of fun. He just looks like he's having fun in this film, you know, kind of playing really, you know, Australian characters. And all of these, you know, six main of the adult stars are all playing this kind of parody Australian, you know, character. They're all very laid back. They've got that really, you know, broad Australian accent. Just just what you picture a stereotypical Australian sort of beach character to be. And they're just all so brilliant. I mean, I'm not familiar with Rada Mitchell, if I'm completely honest with you, out of the six. She's the only one who I can tell you I'm not familiar with. Um, but she was great. She, she really was fun. Um, as I said, Julian McMahon, huge fan of his. The one thing I will say about sort of Julian McMahon's character is, you know, coming into this from Nip Tuck, he is very similar to Christian Troy. And what I have seen in other films, you know, he is kind of plays that sort of suave kind of, you know, charming, you know, good looking guy. But the thing that I really enjoyed about Julian McMahon's character in this film is just the Australian accent. And in the interview I was reading with him, he said he struggled in this film to remember the Australian accent because obviously he's been living in America for so long and working on so many American products. He, he has an American accent knuckled down. And I watched uh, an interview with him probably from about, uh, I think, 10 years ago now to do with Nip Tuck. And if you just listen to his accent, he's pretty much lost the Australian accent uh, completely. Um, but he kind of has a few, every now and then he'll s- pronounce certain words in an Australian way. But uh, so good, just just so good the way he kind of does it. It's a, it's a role that he was born to play. Like, let's be honest, that's just Julian McMahon. He just does it so well. Um, Kylie, look, as a Kylie Minogue fan, you know, seen her acting and things. Obviously, she started off as an actor in Neighbours, if you call that acting. Um, but I, I have to say, I was surprised by kind of her character. Her character's very, I guess, um, reserved and held back. She has some issues, um, but... Kylie does it in such a way that works, and I think she's definitely channeling her her time on Kath and Kim beautifully here. 
Uh, you know, she was on Catherine Kimmel what for one episode, all of five minutes. And uh, if you've ever kind of seen her role in that in the show, you'll kind of know. But like through her role, and she doesn't actually talk a lot in this film. She, I think, out of the six, probably talks the least. But uh, when she does, she definitely you know has that real sort of accent that she had going in uh, Catherine Kimmel. But she's great. She really is. I think she definitely needs to act more, Kylie Minogue. Um, outside of that, Asha Katie, look. I'm honest with you, going to be honest with you, I'm not an Asha Keddy fan. I think she's an overrated actor. I do not like Offspring, and she kind of annoys me, if I'm completely honest with you. But I enjoyed her in this film. I thought she played the role of Gail Marsh very, very well, as did Jeremy Sims. They both worked off well. I'm a big Jeremy Sims fan. I like Jeremy Sims. Uh, so I kind of think that they all worked well. I, I have nothing bad to say against any of the six main leads in terms of the, of the adult actors. All fantastic, all got great chemistry, the scenes that kind of involve them all to be involved with each other, and, you know, th- whether it's kissing or fighting, it's it's just so good, and they've all got really good comedic timing, and just in terms of the way they play it, it just, they legitimately look like they were all having so much fun on this film, and that just really shows, just with everything that happens there. Um, and Jack Thompson, the esteemed Jack Thompson, has a uh, minor role in this film, but I don't even need to say that Jack Thompson is great, because it's Jack Thompson, he is a great actor, so... Um, really, you know, there's not a whole lot there that I can add for him. Um, but just, I really have nothing bad to say about this film. The soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, you know, if I'm completely honest with you, I can be very honest in this episode, I'm not the biggest fan of 70s music. Uh, you know, I much prefer sort of 80s music and other movie, uh, music that comes out after that. But, he, the, uh, the music, not he, it could be a she, they, um, I'm trying to be politically correct there. It's a movie about the 70s, Ben, you're not trying to be politically correct. Uh, the music is fantastic. The soundtrack just works the entire way. And it, again, it's all of what, you know, helps capture this sort of 70s feel to this film. Um, and kind of they, they tie that in too. Like I was mentioning, sort of they had commercials and political jingles and things along the way with that. Um, but, you know, there's lots of references to movies. So, like, obviously, Jaws was a big, uh, thing, uh, you know, in, in, around this period. And so, Jaws is kind of referenced a lot. You know, The Towering Inferno, Smoking the Bandit, you know, all these big movies from the 70s that kind of, you know, at the time were so big, such big hits, um, all sort of play their part in this film. So, just so well done. And for a movie that really, on the grand scheme of things, doesn't really have a huge plot, um, they just find a way to make it work. And what's really fascinating with this is a lot of reviews kind of, I said, you know, they always try to compare it to the castle. Like, oh, this is, you know, a, a comedy in the style of the castle. It's sort of, you know, a, a snapshot of Australian culture and how Australian is, Australia is or was at this time. And it's a big call to be able to kind of compare that to other films and that. But I honestly would completely agree. I think that if you are a non-Australian and you would like to see a movie about Australia, or just not necessarily about Australia, but how Australians are or how Australians were, whilst this is a parody film, I definitely think this is a just a perfect snapshot. Like, again, I was not around in 1975, but I do not doubt that this is what it was like. My mum grew up in uh, beach suburbs of Sydney, around the time Puberty Blues was kind of being written. She actually, I believe, went to the same school that the author of Puberty Blues went to and was kind of like a year or two ahead. So she lived basically how Puberty Blues was. So I'm sure if my mum was still around and saw this film, she would no doubt back this up, that this is how it was. Um, and just the subtle references to so many things that even as somebody of a different age who doesn't have to be around in the 70s to get 
sort of the cultural aspects of this as an Australian, you know, going to the school canteen, getting red frogs, lamingtons, you know, a mint slice, uh, things like that, you know, references to things like uh, polywaffles, that's the word, Ben, you know, uh, sunny boys, things like that, just all these little subtle things that Australians would know and some of these things are just not around anymore and Australians growing up would just never get what it was to have these certain things. Um, so yeah, just, just to throw about the nostalgia factor of this and it doesn't do it in a way that, you know, a lot of movies and, and TV shows rely on now with reboots and sequels. You know, I mean, the, today the trailer, the full trailer for the, this Crocodile Dundee reboot sequel that's coming out later this year, um, came out and you can just tell it's just, it's living on the nostalgia factor of the original, which I get it. They have to, it's a sequel. Fair enough. But, like, this is obviously a completely original film, and it just does it in a way that it just... It's... The whole thing is just amazing. It's just so well done. And, you know, it it does show that you can have an original idea while also having the nostalgia factor at the same time. You don't need to rely on just a reboot or a sequel just to keep that, you know, the big trend right now of nostalgia in. So... Yeah, I, I really have no complaints about this film at all. Uh, it's the first movie that I have officially seen at the cinemas in 2018, and just, this is, I'm right now putting it out, that could be in my top 10. I really, really enjoyed this film, and I really do hope that this is a movie that gets a wider release outside of Australia, because um, I can't recommend this movie enough. And you're probably seeing the runtime of this episode going, oh god, he's just not talking about it. There's not much to talk about. It's generally we find our shorter episodes are because we like something so much we're not criticising it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm stretching here to make this episode longer, but I don't think I need to. Props to Stephen Elliott, props to everyone involved in this film, and really a great movie. And I, I think I, I really need to support the Australian film industry a lot more if this is what they're like, because seriously, this was just an amazing film. Uh, and obviously, I'll just quickly say before I get to the review, you know what it's going to be anyway. Um, the, the final sort of scene, uh, involving the whale. Can I just point out? Hilarious. Uh, and so many laugh out louds in this, in this movie too. Laugh out loud moments, which, um, you know, is rare sometimes. I, I'm not somebody who laughs out loud a lot in movies, but, uh, definitely did in this one. So yeah, you know where I'm going with this one. Um, uh, definitely a bite for me. Um, really, uh, you know, maybe in the last 12 months could be in my top two, top three best films. You know, I, I'd rank this alongside, um, Logan Lucky and, and Baby Driver as, you know, best three films I've maybe seen in the last 12 months at the cinemas at least. So, um, yeah, the Steeler, while we're on the page of Australian uh, culture and Australianisms, uh, do yourself a va- favour to um, quote a famous Australian and uh, go and see this movie. Um, it's, it's, I believe it's kind of only got a, a bit of a small release in terms of that... Uh, you know, as I said, I had to sort of see it in a, a boutique kind of cinema. It, it, it was in our local village... Uh, but, you know, very, you know, one a day showing in a cinema, you know, it's the expensive one. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that this is one that you've got to track down. Uh, it's worth the money spent on it. And for those listening outside of Australia, if you can find this somewhere, um, watch it. It's brilliant. And uh, I really hope that one day we can do a full review of this or a full recap get Colin on board to kind of just... Because this is definitely a film. I did try and go and see this with Mallory when she was down here recently. And, um, you know, because this is a perfect film to kind of show a non-Australian to be like, hey, welcome to Australia. You know, whilst Crocodile Dundee, people think that's what we're like. Crocodile Hunter, you know, 
we don't really jump on animals. We mainly set ourselves on fire and things like that because we're Australian. But, uh, yeah, Swinging Safari, go out and see it. It's definitely worth it. Um, and, yeah, solo review, done and dusted. There we go. Uh, I'm sure we will have more recaps and reviews. Ah, uh, sorry, reviews. I, I don't do these by myself because generally I just talk bullshit. Um, reviews is what I'm think- thinking of here. Spoiler-free reviews to come your way. Uh, I'm sure Colin and Jamie are probably going to see stuff. They're in love. They go to the movies. That's great for them. Uh, but I think probably the the next big one that I'm sure both Colin and I will see and do together uh, will be uh, The Black Panther, which uh, is due out in a couple of weeks, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, stay tuned for Black Panther. Looking forward to seeing that one, uh, the latest Marvel film. And, of course, I'm all caught up on all the Marvel films, so they make a little bit more sense to me now. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, and outside of our spoiler-free reviews, of course, uh, recaps, we've got our uh, Olympic month, our Winter Olympic month, is very much uh, nearly at its conclusion. Uh, today, the, earlier today, we did release Miracle, full recap of Miracle. Uh, thoroughly uh, entertaining film, great recap there. So we have one more to go next week. That will be our look at Eddie the Eagle, the 2016 uh, biopic on, of course, um, Eddie the Eagle. Uh, <laughs> that's generally it's a pretty self-explanatory title, that one, really. So, uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, we're recording that this weekend, and that will be out next week. And uh, outside of that, uh, of course, our TV uh, episodes are still going up. We have Lost going up on Monday. We have Nip Tuck on Tuesday. And Wednesday, of course, is our third watch coverage. We have uh, a bunch of interviews coming your way on Thursdays as well, which have been very entertaining. Today, I interviewed Guy Norman B., director extraordinaire, fantastic interview. I'm looking forward to that one coming out uh, in about a month's time. Colin, of course, has Star Trek going on there with Jamie. And, of course, he also has The Amazing Race and RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars with Rossi as well. So we are very busy little people here on the Oz Network. And, of course, Survivor has just been announced in terms of uh, their new cast. So that is coming your way soon. But uh, we're excited with Survivor because I can just say quickly, it's going to be a little bit different for you uh, coming up to uh, Survivor Ghost Island. So uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. In the meantime, this has been a pleasure bringing this one to you today. Swinging Safari. Go and see it. It's a brilliant film and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. My name is Ben. This has been the Oz Network. We will speak to you next time and good night. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.